Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. 18.27-2. It's Joanna by a metre, but ladies in red is closing in. Then came Runaway Celebrity awaiting the Garrard Sprint Lane from Doug's Babe. Turning for home, it's Joanna. Ladies in red, the outside, then Runaway Celebrity. It's Joanna with ladies in red. Joanna just in front. Ladies in red coming at her now. She levels up. Ladies in red in a great go to the line and ladies in red wins it. Ladies in red. A yeah, terrific in. race, wasn't it, last night? Emma Stewart uh, loaded up with heaps of firepower. Of course, she's a master, of course. Well, he's a filly slash mares. Chris Barsby's with us. Good morning, Chris. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Yes, uh, ladies in red. Had to do some work, a little bit of work early, but got up outside and was too strong late. Yeah, absolutely. And she conquered a really good filly. In, in her own right, Joanna would easily measure up in any conversation as being one of the best fillies in the country. But the fact that Ladies in Red is her stable mate, she probably doesn't get the plaudits that she deserves. So it was a terrific race. Two outstanding fillies. We've waxed lyrical about Ladies in Red for some time. Many believe that she's probably one of the best fillies that this country's ever produced. I suppose if there's only some sort of doubt about ladies in red and her supremacy is the fact that she hasn't really ventured outside of her home state. And that's that's not a knock, but that's just facts. Uh, the fact that she hasn't gone to Sydney or anywhere else and proven how great she really is. All of her dominance has been in her home state of Victoria. There's a lot down there in her home state that connections are chasing. And she's got this race at her at her mercy next week, the uh, the Vic Bread Super Series, and that will cap a wonderful season. But if you really wanted to break it down, the fact that she hasn't really conquered Sydney or somewhere else, that's probably the only lingering doubt. But as far mm. as I'm concerned, she, she's one of the all-time Yeah, it's a phenomenal record, isn't it? 19 starts, 16 wins and three placings, so never missed a top two. And what'll be interesting, uh, of course, as an older mare, Chris, to see if she measures up to... You know, some of the big boys, so to speak, in free-for-all company and open company, grand circuit sort of races as an older mare. What do you think there? Yeah, well, it's a good question. And it's something that we don't see too often nowadays. Amazing Dream has taken that step this season and she's been able to achieve it, knocking off the likes of Poppy That and King of Swing. That's tremendous form for a mare like Amazing Dream. But that's few and far between seeing those good mares take on the open-class boys. And we probably have to go right back to... Taylor made Lombo, who, who did it consistently and regularly and, and was able to beat the boys. She was a proven Grand Circuit winner in her own right. But look, if any mayor or filly is going to take that step, take on the boys and beat them, this is the one, ladies in red, because she's just got this unbelievable will to win. She's got that real tenacity and that real drive. So I'm hoping she gets her opportunity to take on the boys at some stage moving ahead. But they can just probably plot their path and just stay mm. in their own sex and dominate for some time to come. Yeah, Brittany Graham's with me in studio, Chris, today. Brittany, good morning. Morning, Chris. How are you? I'm really well. There are interesting questions that Steve poses. Is that one way we can look at ladies in red? She's one of the all-time greats, but the fact that she hasn't gone out of a home state, and do you expect her to measure up and take on the big boys in time to come? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think from everything that we've seen from her so far, she's just so, so good. And as you mentioned, I think 
the reason that she hasn't traipsed out of her own state is that she hasn't needed to. She's had a, a pretty busy back end to this season and no doubt the Stewart team and the Lauriston Bloodstock involvement from the ownership side were well aware of how many riches she had to target at the back end of this season. She whilst a few of the fillies from the Emma Stewart camp were able to go to New South Wales for the Oaks. And uh, the Queensland Oaks, I guess, was another one. But at that point in time, it was very hard to travel. I guess, you know, she had so much coming up at the back end of this year. And going forward next year, a ladyship mile is only three months away. And that, that looks the obvious next target for her. And she would not be out of place in a chariot fire. So there's really not a lot of downtime for these Victorian horses between the Victorian Carnival and then heading towards New South Wales. So I think it was a smart move to give her an easy early half of this year uh, and she hasn't had to travel, but I don't see there being any issue in her heading away from home. And the mayor's ranks, we know there is sometimes a, a struggle to keep uh, a really strong bunch of quality mayors racing for extended periods of time for multiple reasons. I mean, they, they have to then... There's not a lot of open mares racing in Australia uh, and there's that real enticement from US buyers to buy our very best female horses. So at this stage, I'm not sure there's anything even in the open class mares ranks that, that could beat her at this point in time. Yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, she certainly seems like she's the one that's going to take us forward. Just on last night with the Vic Fred action, most sort of become accustomed to Emma Stewart, Clayton Tonkin dominating these nights. They ended up with, what, five or six last night. But there was just that feeling that they weren't winning every race and there's a little bit of hope for a few connections going ahead next week with these finals. I think the three-year-old division, and we've seen them through the Breeders' Crown and also the Victorian Oaks and Derby Series dominate. So I think they do really have a stranglehold on those two divisions. I always find the Vic Bread four-year-old... I guess, four-year-old divisions for the boys and the girls interesting because um, it seems to really open up once they have that season, I guess, for the four-year-olds dipping their toe in the water of a few of the bigger races that it it does become a little bit more open and there's probably never a domination in that uh, contention, so to speak. But I think the three-year-olds are going to be dominated by that stable. The two-year-olds, though, it's a really... I think it's an even crop of two-year-olds in both the Phillies and the Colts and Geldings. For the Phillies, well, no doubt they're going to have a, a big contingent again there. But I, I get what you're saying, no doubt. But um, I, st- I, th- I still think they're, they're going to line up a massive team next Friday night and they're probably going to take multiples again. Yeah, no doubt about it. One horse that is going to be one of the star performers next week is Honolulu Bay. He's a recent addition to the stables of Emma Stewart. David Moran's been partnering this four-year-old. He clearly looks the horse to beat. J.O.K., who won the other semi last night, was really good in his own right. But Honolulu Bay looks the one. Connections are talking about uh, the Miracle Mile. And a, an interesting question that was put to David Moran last night by Gareth Hall, just watching that trackside coverage, uh, would you rather drive Honolulu Bay or Expensive Ego? It was a good question, I thought, and he sort of handled it well, David Moran. He's sort of undenied before saying, oh, well, you've got to go with Expensive Ego. He's tried and, and proven at this level. But I think he's got a real soft spot for Honolulu Bay. He's always been a good horse, hasn't he? And, and I think, I wouldn't say he was an enigma, but he had up and down form that made it hard for punters to really follow him with a great deal of confidence. But 
He's just seemingly turned a corner, maturity, no doubt, and he's in the right camp uh, to get the very best out of him at this top level as well. So he's got a great draw for that final as well, whereas JOK doesn't. He's off the second row. So he looks to be extremely hard to beat in that division. And then you've already mentioned what's coming up for him next year. And he's one of these horses that hasn't been over-raced through his juvenile campaign and his juvenile career. So it always interests me to see how, you know, the variants of horses that have really busy two- and three-year-old seasons and get a lot of prize money and a lot of feature racing under their belt, how they progress to the open class. I'm just thinking off the top of my head of some of the greats that we've seen of Australian racing in the last few decades. You think Black's a fake. Well, he was so lightly raced as a young horse. Lazarus probably in the same boat. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Honolulu Bay progresses over the next few seasons because he's obviously been wrapped in cotton wool knowing that he's a very, very good horse. He's extremely fast. There's no doubt about it. Last night here at Ereckliff, we had a good night of racing. The, uh, the feature was taken out by LL Cool J. No real surprise, given he's got this real liking for this track. He's unbeaten three for three here. He's on the patron's first Reckliff Cup and now the Christmas Cup. Uh, Steve uh, posed this question to me earlier. I've got to ask you. Uh, I'm playing Jane, who won race number seven. Scored by over 60 metres, rated 156. A maiden going into that race. Did you see that coming? Uh, probably not, but the times across the board were very, very strong last night at Redcliffe. Yeah. So the track was obviously pretty well spot on. Even later on in the night, I think the one win race went 57 and three. So the, the track was obviously in prime condition for fast times. The, the two-year-olds went 56-2, which mm. is so probably So just to elaborate, what, what makes them go? Was it the combination of the weather? Just have they done something with the track in recent times to make it so fast last night, Brittany? Well, I guess it, probably it's no doubt a better quality of horse on and feature racing okay. night at Redcliffe. But the conditions were fairly humid and, and probably mm. primed for, for fast times. And then the track condition itself, um, maybe that little bit of rain has assisted it in. Mm. in but to be honest, our track conditions in Queensland at the moment have been excellent. They've, mm. They're now on a resurfacing program where the tracks are getting maintained consistently, whereas before it was getting to a point where, you know, the track was in an ordinary condition and then they would fix it. But uh, just back to that Iron Plain Jane race, I was actually speaking to Steve a little earlier about it as well. No doubt surprising to see them go 56 because that's a fairly well unheard of time at any point at Redcliffe. But uh, I guess she wasn't involved in that really quick opening 800 metres and, and then she was able to win well and she was certainly kept up to the task. But uh, a three-year-old now a maiden no longer. She's very well bred though, being by Hurricane yeah. Cole out of Don't Fall For Me. But that Q-bred bonus and Jamie Donovan, of course, he's now based uh, south of the border at Tamworth but coming home for a Christmas holiday and that was a nice little present as well. So uh, I guess to answer your question, definitely a surprise in terms of the time but um, you know, the fact that they were going along quite quickly all night last night and that 28-1 first quarter just set it up for something mm. back in the field. I did text Bernie Ring too, uh, Brittany and Chris and Bernie, um, Bernie said, I think so. I haven't seen a bigger margin. Uh, Darren Clayton might have some stats on that as well. I'm Can you think of a bigger margin? Both. Anyone? Brittany? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. Well, there was a horse at Marburg, Gina Tarantella, yeah. I think, That's a, right. a little <laughs> while ago. Uh, I know that she won by a big margin. Yeah. Chris? I've got a question for you both, just coming out of last night's meeting. So last Saturday night, Shane Graham drove five of the ten races. So half the card, Pete McMullen... He doubles down, does the same thing last night. Five of the ten races. Two-fold question here. 
how many drivers in harness racing history in Australia, Australia only, not New Zealand, so Australia, do you think have achieved this feat where they've driven five or more winners at a single meeting? And out of all of the drivers that we've had, who do you think's done it most? Vin Knight, be my guess. Incorrect. Mm. Yep. Um, Daryl Graham. <laughs> Karen Manning? No. Okay. Uh, Chris Lewis, my final guess. No. Okay. But you're close. You're close. in the right state. Okay. Gary Hall Jr. And it's by a margin. He's done it like 23 times, five or more at a single meeting. Unreal. The guys are free. So how many drivers overall in Australian harness racing history have driven five or more at a single meeting? Would you say a lot, not many, or quite a few? I would say upwards of 20. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Couldn't tell you. I'd say so quite you a have few. A guess. Quite a few? So what are we looking at, 50? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 30? The answer, there's over 120. Oh, okay. Wow. So that was a long way yeah. up. yeah. I was too when I started digging around and looking at sort of those sort of stats. But anyway, so yeah, I think there's over 120 drivers that have done it. But um, yeah, Gary Hall Jr. certainly leads the charge in that respect. Mm. Before I let you go, Brittany, highlights and lowlights for 2021, or what are you most looking forward to for 2022? I think highlights wise and. I'm unashamedly parochial about Queensland, so of course I'm going to focus in on on the season here. I just think the way Queensland harness racing is tracking, there's no doubting that there were some some tough times over the last decade or so for everybody involved and it, it looked ordinary for a period in time there. But I think this 2021 has been excellent on on many fronts and in terms of the Q-bread scheme everybody's talking about it the amount of horses that are now making their way to Queensland so that they can be Q-bread eligible is enormous and the bonuses that go with it the tab constellations was excellent uh, and considering the times that we were in to have it be such a success I think was super the trot rods all of the the enhancements and innovation that's going on I just think we're placed in a really good position going forward and I'm lucky enough to get to travel a fair bit for work and we are really the state that's progressing in in everybody's mind so I, I think that was a highlight I couldn't really pin down one particular thing and in terms of what I'm looking forward to most no no doubt I'm looking forward to the winter again here because people are already discussing it and making plans to to get north for that but just in the more uh, upcoming future style I'm really looking forward to the Great Southern Star early next year in Victoria. We know that Sunday Sun is on a path towards that, maybe even Bolt for Brilliance. And the Trotters at the moment, I think it's a much more, I wouldn't say even crop in the Southern Hemisphere because I do think at this point in time without seeing them up close and personal racing here on mass, I think the Kiwis probably do hold an advantage over the Aussies. But I'm really looking forward to seeing hopefully those Kiwis come across for the Great Southern Star because its concept and the short distance racing suits the Aussies better. But the Kiwis and their current lineup of trotting stars is probably uh, having that advantage. So the Great Southern Star is what I'm looking forward to in the short term. I think that could be a really cracking series. Well, you haven't got uh, long to wait for that because that's only going to be, what, weeks away, probably six weeks or so away now. So 
not long to uh, to see all those great trotters strutting their stuff. Brittany, as per normal, to really appreciate the time. Uh, Merry Christmas. Have a safe one on Saturday, and uh, we'll be chatting very soon. Thanks, Chris. To you as well. Here's Brittany Graham from Sky Racing joining us. Let's go straight to the West. Here's a man that loves Gary Hall Jr., Matt Young. He's about to join us now because Gloucester Park are racing at this stage tomorrow night. I will check that because there's a real heat wave over in Perth, so we'll just uh, double-check with Matt. He'll be able to tell us. Matt, good morning. Good morning to you, boys. Is the meeting going ahead tomorrow? Yes, it has been pushed back, though, so uh, excuse me for one second. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it's being pushed back because of the heat. Uh, they're looking at uh, temperatures of around 41 degrees uh, in the city. So uh, it's going to be 43 on Christmas, 43 on Boxing Day. And then they've also pushed back the meeting on uh, Monday as well to night time. So having a look here, due to extreme weather forecast, the first is 5.07 Western Standard Time. And then the last will be 8.35 Western Standard Time. And the last two races will not be shown on Sky. And the Monday will now be a night meeting commencing at 6.39 Western Standard Time. So it is going to be a very hot Christmas over here in WA. Is that the, what about the gallops, Matt? Uh, well, on Sunday, the Boxing Day meeting for uh, the Injera Park meeting has been pushed back to next Wednesday. So there will be no meeting in the Peel region for Boxing Day, and uh, that's pretty much, I think, Geraldton is still looking at what's going to happen at Geraldton. The temperatures at this stage look to be around 41 degrees, but it can cool off there with uh, a sea breeze coming in. So uh, they're just weighing up their options there, but Pinjarra is definitely being moved in the thoroughbred world to the Wednesday where there is actually nothing on. So that's uh, handy for them. Mm. That's that's brutal, that temperature. So, yeah, that's a, that's a no for me. Um, just going back to last week with that free-for-all, what do we take out of that as we look towards the, the big cups, the Frio and WA Pacing Cups? Well, I think uh, I wouldn't be taking too much out of it. Uh, Wild West led. He's gone 152.8. He's just proven that he's a very good horse when he can hit the rail. Um, so... Yeah, very hard to make ground. I thought Minstrel was very good. I thought Magnificent Storm and Chicago Bull were outstanding. Uh, Diego was good. I think a lot of those horses that were in that race were going to derive plenty of benefit from that run. So uh, going forward, though, that race could happen again in a month and there could be a comp- there'll be a massive change in the result, in my opinion. Uh, Magnificent Storm was unbelievable and Chicago Bull was eye-catching as well. So uh, it's very exciting. All right. What is your best bet for this meeting coming through tomorrow? I found the meeting actually really tricky tomorrow night. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of races where it's a bit up in the air about who's going to lead. And as we know, that's uh, such a big big factor when trying to come up with the best bet at Gloucester Park. So I'm actually going with uh, a little bit of value. Race nine, number two, Kuadua at Astra. I think we'll find the top. It could be double figures. And this horse very rarely leads and can run some very good times in front. Does bump into a good field. There are very talented horses in it. Finn Barra, for his namesake, he's going to be very hard to beat. But I just thought, the way to add Astra on the rail, he'd be able to run 156 and change, I think, in front for the middle distance. And uh, they're going to have to try and catch him. So race nine, number two, Puadua at Astra for Donald Harper looks very hard to beat.
Okay, so race nine, number two. That's one of the races that we won't be able to see tomorrow night, isn't it? No. Oh, I better give you one that you can actually watch then. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go back to uh, just scanning through here. It is it is a very tricky meeting, I found. Anyway, I'll go race three, number six, Elter Intrigues. Been racing in free-for-all grade. It's a 2,500-metre race, so he's dropping back down from free-for-all to this. is a very suitable race. Madison Brown takes the drive. 2,500, I think, suits. He can be put into the race at any stage, and I think he'll be very hard to beat. So race three, number six, Elter Intrigue, looks my best for the viewing audience, but... If you wish to just place a bet, I think uh, on an each-way basis, race nine, number two, Puadawa at Astra looks uh, quite hard to beat. Probably a one-by-four sort of bet, but I think you're running the money. OK, well, we'll do it this way. We'll have a good win bet, race three, number six, Alta Intrigue, and whatever we get out of that, we can then play up each way into race nine, number two, and then just check the result once the race is finished. Sounds like a good idea. All right, perfect. Matty, I've got to go and learn these colours here at the start for <laughs> race number one. So really appreciate the time throughout the year. Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Enjoy the day. And we'll be chatting very soon. Same to you guys. All the best yeah, over thanks, the holiday Matt. period.